Welcome back to New Persuasive Words. I'm Scott Jones. And I'm Bill Moore. And Bill, we want to talk a little bit again about love. Yes. And we're going to start What's off. What's love have to do with it? What's a, what love have to do with anything, really? It's just a secondhand emotion. I love that song. <laughs> I wonder what that says when you throw out love in the first song that comes to your head. Those of you psychologists and analysts out there, please feel free to send me any kind of insight you have on my on my on my psychology. Let's do it. It would be a qualitative, yeah, not a quantitative study. No, no, not that. I mean, our guests are our listeners rather are very high quality. Yes, they are. Very. This is, by the way, this is a Friday night lights edition. Yeah, we almost never record on Friday night. Which Friday? So we're doing this on Friday night, which means one, you're married. Yes, and, two, I and my to, wife is on call. And two, I need to really rethink my social life right now. <laughs> well, you know, I don't know. I mean, I, I feel like I'm excellent company, though. No, you are excellent company. You gave me a nice drink. You're, 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 you're lovely. You're hydrated. I'm hydrated. <laughs> ice water. I mean, really. Yeah, no, he does. He has. He always has water waiting for me. A nice ice. A we should start. An, what if we start an Instagram account? We could do that. Just pictures of the, from the studio. Yeah. That would be interesting, maybe for five minutes. <laughs> we we have we both have faces for radio. Well, we could. Oh, thank you. <laughs> <laughs> I include myself. Right, well, that doesn't help me. <laughs> Bill's dashing and debonair. There we go. So, Bill, we're on this series, which I think it's indeterminate. Like we're working right. through uh, Thomas Halleck's book. Uh, <laughs> I want you to be on the God of Love, and it's interesting. I've gotten. From my Facebook feed, I've gotten people I don't, I don't know who they are asking about which books they should read. A person from a church many, many years ago uh, has started reading Halleck because of this. And those are just people we know about. So, no, I think you, to me, is the most one of the most interesting, if not the most interesting, theologian writing right now. Oh, yeah. And this is, and we've said it before, but like for those of our listeners who are thinking about the relevance of faith in the modern world, in, 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 in a world that seems, in some pockets and places, increasingly hostile to religious faith and things like that. Like, this is the guy, at least in the West, this is the guy that is the missiological thinker. Right. And this is the person that is interpreting the signs of the times right now. Right. So, yeah. If, if we sound uncritical, it's because... We're not very critical. Right now, we are. We are uh, <laughs> There's not a lot we don't like no, at this we point. No, very, very much so. And actually, just as a aside, I think that's a great way to learn. You know, I think the pseudo-intellectual 
goes into class the first day and, and tries to be critical because they think that's what learning is. But I think you have to learn something before you can really criticize it. Yeah. And I think, <laughs> I think we've said this before, but uh, loving, at least honoring, um, honoring your, your teacher by listening to what they have to say, whether they're living or dead, is a, is a very important way, of, I think a great way to learn. Yeah, Bart said about Schleiermacher, of whom he was very critical, you know, uh, and we could talk in another podcast about whether or not Bart really was getting Schleiermacher or Schleiermacher light through, his, you know, his, right. his reductive teachers. But he said, you know, to his students, you dare not hate here until you first loved here and dare I say are tempted to love and love again. Yeah, that's, that's, that's beautiful. By the way, it reminds me of, like, Luther, you know, criticizes Aquinas. There, there's no evidence they ever read Thomas Aquinas. Yeah. Yeah, so, anyway. And there's no evidence that Nietzsche and Kierkegaard interacted, which is so tragic, because they're contemporaries and... No, Kierkegaard was dead before Nietzsche started writing. Was he? Yeah, yeah. Wait. You're not thinking Kierkegaard, you're thinking... Well, I was thinking, actually, there's not... Uh, you're right. I'm thinking there's not. Oh yeah, because of Hegel. Yeah, I was thinking like that. Nietzsche never had read Kierkegaard. Right, right. right. And so that's just Germans don't import. Well, you know, it's funny they right? export intellectually. You, know, <laughs> you know, again, I, you this is you're more an expert on this than I am. But I mean, Kierkegaard doesn't get picked up again until the 20th century. Is that correct? Oh yeah, no. Yeah, he no. Kierkegaard was it was not. Yeah. I mean, it, it was a well, you know, he's Danish. I mean, I mean, that's just you know, they get great health care. So basically, you're saying the Danes probably peaked what ninth century. <laughs> I, I didn't. They were know. they were pretty rough in the ninth century. Did they, they peak? When did they peak? Well, they had. They were. I mean, that's the Vikings. They were running. They were. I like, thought they were in Norway. No, well, the Danes were Vikings too. Yeah. Now they're all, I mean, but the Danes, yeah, the Vikings, they're Vikings. I feel like all my historical gaps are showing up. <laughs> I knew that if I cared. <laughs> no, yeah, it was just a laugh. It was just a laugh. Uh, it's Friday night, you're off. Yeah, it's Friday night lights. So, Bill, you posted something that was inspired from Halick, and you sort of had a reflection Front that made it into your sermon, so that's what I wanted to talk about tonight. Could yeah, I'm not sure which way first because I was uh, my my sermon. I'm doing a series on Lent on following Jesus and the different people that follow Jesus, and I started out with Luke five with Peter's, and I think you know to me that passage is something that um, yeah, I mean we all hear that probably in Sunday school. I will make you fishers of men. You know, we all know that song, but I I've always been struck at the radical nature of it. Um, yeah, you know the story. And when after the miracle, Peter goes, uh, "Get away from me! I'm a man of unclean lips. I'm a you know I'm a foul mouthed sailor. You know you. I don't know who you are, but we don't belong in the same boat." And Jesus goes, that, "Yeah, that's what I'm looking. I'm looking for foul mouthed sailors. So follow me." And so my buddy, by the way, Jacob Smith, who uh, I will introduce you to in New York this year at the Mahingbrook Conference, he. Is a student of Paul's all, and he said he heard one of the best sermons on the Fishers of Men story. He said years ago, Paul's all said, what, "This sounds like you're going to be a recruiter, but really, what it means is I'm going to make you interested in people." Yeah, the business, your business, you you were your business was fish. Now your business is people. Yeah, and I think that that's uh, often people pit 
the pastor versus the evangelist. Mm-hmm. But that's flip sides of the same coin. I mean, the people that are great at helping people who are in broken places find faith are often the people that help people in the fold find their own stories in, in the midst of dark places. And, you know, those are yeah, no, not mutually exclusive in the least. Absolutely not. I think, you know, um, it's kind of, you, you bring the sheep in, you got to take care of, you know, I think, uh, yeah, I, I've, I've always thought, cause I, I mean, a lot of my ministry as a pastor has been with people on the edge, people who weren't, didn't quite believe or came to faith. But yeah, I just think it's sometimes that the, the way, particularly evangelicals divide stuff makes no sense to me. Even though that's they taught me and they taught me and, and they taught me so well, their theology stopped making well, sense. Well, long division never make, made sense to me either. Division in general, I was never good at any of it. All right. Well, here's what here's a, this was a quote from my sermon and includes a an extensive quote from Alex's work, uh, I Want You to Be, which is the one we've been talking about. So here we go. Why did Jesus seem not only to hang out with sinners? but intentionally invite more than a few to be in his inner circle. Maybe because Jesus recognized that it is inherently dangerous to one's soul and others to be religious. Thomas Halleck observes that only if one struggles with one's own sins, weaknesses, and bad tendencies can one be sure of fighting the Lord's battles. All other holy wars are simply human, all too human and frequently inhuman. When someone dubs him or herself a warrior of God, he or she is placing themselves in the field of play of God's ancient adversary. If a person of hate redefines his expression of hatred towards others as a holy war and part of a cosmic conflict between good and evil, he or she is burning any bridges that might lead to reconciliation and reasonable agreement. I like it. Yeah. Yeah. You know, it's a very, it's, <laughs> in some levels, it, it's a, it's a summary statement. Uh, it's an explanation, psychological, theological, and spiritual explanation for why religious people have done horrible things throughout the history of religion. That in the name of God, people fight these holy wars. I mean, there's a holy war going on in our government right now. It really is a holy war. Uh, uh, they, the people who are, uh, now Trump, Trump is not a holy war soldier. He's just, he's just, he's just a. Uh, he's a happy warrior. He's a puppet uh, in the hands of, of other people. I mean, he's not, he's he's his matter of fact, he's able to be absurd by himself. But this whole, you know, uh, American America is great. You know, making America great again to him, I think, was just a catchphrase. But for Bannon and for. Our good friend from Alabama, <laughs> who's now the Attorney General. I mean, they're on record that it is actually uh, make America white European again. You know where America was great? Tell me. When you couldn't, if you got a speeding ticket in New Jersey and you're a resident of Pennsylvania, it didn't count points or that was, insurance. That's when America was great. That was a good. Now, if that's, that's if that's what I would be for that retro make America great. Again. Make it so that the states cannot talk to each other about your speeding tickets. <laughs> and I'm for that. I mean, I'm 110% that's very behind good. it. Well, you know, and I get, yeah, me, me too. I just, uh, how many speeding tickets have you gotten in New Jersey? I've gotten one, I think. I've got, well, I live my, like, 
I've gotten more in Pennsylvania. And I've gotten a speeding ticket in every state I've lived, but uh, except West Virginia. But uh, I was a child, <laughs> so I didn't have a car. But I think this idea—I <laughs> <laughs> think this idea of a holy war is an interesting thing. I mean, we—you know—I have to tell. Again, it's it's so easy. <laughs> it's so easy to see other people's faults. But I, I was just the other day. I was I was I, I sing in the choir. You know, we have this church. I'm, you know, it's a redevelopment project. The beautiful people. It's kind of a little miracle what's happening there. But we, you know, we. We, we, you have lovely people. They are I mean, lovely I, people. I've preached there a couple of times, and I, I have a fondness for them. And, uh, yeah. and you know, it's pretty amazing. They have a nice coffee hour too. They the donuts, nice coffee. the coffee. They're, coffee hour is a big deal, you know. Mm-hmm. And it's actually, you know, we've doubled, over doubled in attendance in the last year. It's pretty amazing. Uh, again, we had it was either grow or die. So I mean, it's it's an interesting thing. But I sing in the choir. Part of it is just to be part of the moral support of of the choir and uh there was some lyric it was this awful lyric in our good friday musical that we're doing and i you know it had bothered me every week and finally i just said it out loud i shouldn't have said it. i said oh, this is wrong <laughs> this is this line it was wrong and of course everybody was polite and they kind of uh by the even the choir director goes you want us to change the words i go no no but what made me you know I, I'm right about George. Today. By the way, your choir director is an unsung hero of the Christian faith. I mean, he is saint. literally. I mean, it, George it, is a real Christian. If they beatified Protestants, he would be first in line. Saint Saint George. Saint George. We I mean, have a few, but, but Saint George. He'd be a new Saint George. Uh, saint Saint. We have we have an icon of Saint George. Icon, right but there. different. Yeah, he, he's not, Saint George is not slaying dragons. Saint George is always. Uh, Size and whatever, yeah, just whatever people need, he just serves. He's a lovely guy. He's a real Christian. Anyway, so, and and after as I was driving home, I was really convicted of that because why did I need to, why did I need to, to say that that was wrong? I mean, what, what was that about? Now, it's okay for me to think about it if this was a theology class or if there's a point to point, sit back and say, as a teaching moment, but there was something just that needed that boiled up in me that had there was no edi- it was not edifying at all. I mean, there was something that was more about my own, you know, need to say out loud what I think is true, as opposed to you know fighting any holy war. That was a that was a day where the holy war was not fought inside of me, and and and, and I lost. Oh thing. yeah, and I think a lot of times when we feel the need to speak, it's not for love or justice or anything right it's to calm our own anxiety sometimes like it's it's one of these things where like you you know like how much of stuff we do on social media is like i'm anxious because that idea is in the world now i feel bad and it ultimately we feel worse but you know like but it, it it's got this soothing effect in the moment yeah you know that's yeah so it's, it's a release i think that's absolutely right because the, the theology of this uh, piece of music has been bothering me for the last couple of weeks. And it's probably part of a larger, just inner narrative that I'm doing, but you're right. I, I did. It was inappropriate. Uh, fortunately, they're pretty tolerant people. They, they By the way, I just want to tell you recently, and we can do this on another podcast and we'll have to litigate this. Leah Leibovich posted something on tablet magazine saying that, um, a lengthy article that Billy Joel is the Donald Trump of pop, which, I know that I'm a, I might I might support that. <laughs> I, you might support it. 
so that's, that's for another podcast. Does so, so, so that, uh, you know, you and I are. It just changes none of my opinion on Billy Joel. I love Billy Joel. He's trem- he's a tremendous artist. He's I mean, he very he's very very good. He's spectacular. He's very very artistic. Oh my goodness. That would that would be in the early days there was a there was a period of conflict in the early days of the podcast on a lot of Billy Joel. A lot of Billy Joel ended up I bank it down. <laughs> okay, so I want to read you something cuz Bill, we are in Different romantic situations, although we're both recording on Friday night, which means I'm married to a medical professional on call. And, and a wonderful person. And it, Well, the most wonderful person I know. And Wait a minute. Lindy is the most wonderful person I know. She is. She's wonderful. Okay. Uh, All right. She puts up with me. I mean, that that, that makes you. That's true. Sick. I just put up with you in small doses. Exactly. All right. Very good. I feel better. I don't so, feel quite as insulted now. So <laughs> Alan Debaton was on on being, and he's written. He's a guy that's like, a, he's our kind of atheist. Not that there are some atheists that are not our kind. No. <laughs> I just hit the microphone. Right. Right. Okay. Every time it's every Friday night. Like, by the way, every time we think of him, I'm going to do that. Yeah, it's <laughs> Bart Campolo. Uh, <laughs> okay. So, who, did, who did you just mention? Bart Campbell. <laughs> so that's um, that that's some that's 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 a hell. But Alan, building Alan, his house. Alan Dipaton. He, he runs this thing called the School of Life. His first book was how Proust can um, enhance reading. Proust can like enhance your life. And he's just a guy that's an undergraduate degree in philosophy, and he's just he's an atheist or you know agnosticish atheist that loves the christian tradition and loves the western tradition intellectually and and not and non-western stuff too i mean but he's just a brilliant guy and he was on krista tippett and they were talking about he wrote a book on love and so let me know what you think of this so uh krista tippett says it's a lot to ask but it's so it's also it sounds so reasonable right if we could really have that in our minds early on enough in a relationship about how that we're all deeply flawed human beings. That's right. And almost from the first date, my view, Debaton says, my view of what one should talk about on a first date is not showing off and putting forward one's accomplishments, but almost quite the opposite. One should say, well, how are you crazy? I'm crazy like this. <laughs> there should be a mutual acceptance that two damaged people are trying to get together because Pretty much all of us, there are, are, are a few totally healthy people, but pretty much all of us reach dating age with some scars, some wounds, and sometimes we bring to adult relationships some of the same hope that a young child might have had of their parent. And of course, an adult relationship can't be like that. It's got to accept that the person across the table or on the other side of the bed is just human, which means full of flaws, fears, etc., and not some sort of super human. Hmm. Yeah, I, I actually think that's actually very profound. I mean, I don't know, I don't know that you lead with that on the first date, but it's a good contact conversation for the second date. I like it on the first date. Well, How are you crazy? Because that's the thing. Everybody's doing a con job in dating, and if right. you're really tra- if you're really attracted to somebody, or if you really want to push somebody away, either way, it's, 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 it's a win-win. Well, you know, I, I actually tell, and this, you know, this is based on the Imago theory stuff, but I do believe that um, we're attracted to strengths, and we tend to marry or bond with weaknesses. In other words, in terms of 
on the on the conscious end of things, we are. I like her personality. I like his intellect. Uh, I like their sense of humor. They're very stop. Whatever. Okay, I like the way they look. But the upcon, you know, subconscious stuff is working. You know, is bring is drawing us to our unfinished work. And uh, so you're saying we should, or he's saying that uh, that's part of our on the on the front end. We should. You know, at least know what we're conscious about. Of course, even at this stage of life, I mean, I'm, I'm. Uh, you just had a birthday, so what am I? Ten, twelve years, fifteen years older than you, something like that. But even at this stage of my life, there's still the you know you're still working with your unconscious stuff. Hopefully, it's not as much as there was there. And well, I know it's not as much as when I was twenty something, and uh, you know, not as much as when I was forty something. But still, uh, it's always there. So maybe, <laughs> maybe. At least op- you're opening up about what you know. Um, there is a kind of integrity about that. It, it probably would make a more interesting conversation. Yeah, I think of a movie like Silver Linings Playbook. Where like, oh, it's a great movie. Where people, but that is all of us on some level. Like all of us are neurotic, weird, tortured. Some of us manage it better than others because of like psychology. Genetics, parenting, but repression, every, repression, right? Disf- uh, yeah, displacement. But I think that's like, I, and that's part of I think what maybe the Christian faith has to offer to public life right now. You know, it's funny we talked about today. You and I never record on Friday, so almost never. So, like, I did the mocking cast roundtable earlier. We talked about this article from the woman that helped start Move On. Hmm. Uh, uh, org, and she's talked about her f- relationships with conservatives and why she had to develop them. And, and she started this movement called Living Room Conversations to facilitate conversations with people locally that disagree. And, you know, she talks about these deep, this deep relationship she has with her friend Jacob. And he said to her at one point, well, climate change is your liberal end time story. <laughs> and she was like, it's very interesting. I mean, it was just an interesting back and forth, and she's very vulnerable about it and yeah. her own convictions. And I, I feel like that's maybe the relevance of Christian faith that someone like Halleck teaches us is not to be, uh, to see ourselves as fellow travelers. And also maybe that's the way that all love works is people are all just fellow travelers in the ambiguous journey of looking to be found in love. Yeah. I remember there's a quote from Luther, I guess, and I don't know in what context he, he said it, but they were talking and it was, you know, it was well onto the the reformation. And he said, you know, there are not as many sinners on our side as there are on theirs. And I think, uh, yeah, I mean, what Alex is saying, if you try to, if you, if you fight the holy war within, then there's space for reconciliation. There's space for understanding, uh, and 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 God knows we need that right now. Amen to that, brother. Happy Friday.
That's you. 